Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to New Heights Educational Group Radio Show. My name is Kaden Behan, your host and a volunteer for New Heights Educational Group. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. And now we're going to talk a little bit more and narrow it down on childhood obesity, which is our main topic for today. Childhood obesity affects one in every three children, but most parents are uncomfortable talking with their children about weight, not knowing what to say or how to say it. For many of us, questions about a child's weight are particularly difficult to answer, since feelings about overweight and obesity are often complicated by both personal issues and the conflicting messages communicated about weight through the media and society at large. In fact, a WebMD Stanford Health Survey found that parents of teens find it more difficult to talk about their weight with their child than talking about sex, drugs, alcohol, or smoking. The issue is compounded by the fact that there are limited resources to help parents respond to their children's questions about weight. Parents looking online or in a local library for information on how to address a child's weight would be hard-pressed to come up with something that is useful or goes beyond the basic rhetoric about eating less and exercising more. Childhood obesity is not unique to Philadelphia, but we have the unfortunate distinction of being the fattest city in Pennsylvania. This article is taken um, by, Alex, by Alexis Skoufalos, um from the New York Times. Today, the CDC estimates that two, two 12.5 million kids are obese. Nearly 17% of children and adolescents in the U.S. Obesity is a matter of health and is a gateway to many chronic diseases, as we discussed before in the previous article, and conditions including heart disease, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, liver and gallbladder disease, sleep apnea, and respiratory problems, bone and joint disorders, including osteoarthritis and some cancers, among others. Members of the Philadelphia Health Initiative, a local collaborative 
of interested leaders have teamed up with national partners to stop obesity at the Stop Obesity Alliance and the Alliance for a Healthier Generation to, de- to develop a new resource kit for community leaders. The kit will be unveiled at a special program on Wednesday, May 15th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on campus of the Thomas Jefferson University. So for those of our listeners who are interested, this uh, this had occurred a few weeks ago. Um, and I just wanted to share with you to kind of illustrate some of the actions that are being taken for the the movement against childhood obesity. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the causes of childhood obesity Um, and things like that a little bit further into the program. So basically, the kit is based on weigh in, talking to your children about weight and health. The free online conversation guide offers plain language responses to tough questions parents may get from children. Um, And for the Philadelphia families listening, the kit includes a local resource list that identifies places to purchase healthy foods, and activities for family to join together in the city. Um, I'm going to send out an email later with this free online conversation guide. That's why I wanted to just introduce it in this article. But basically, childhood obesity is obesity just on a smaller scale, but it's very much affecting the youth populations, um, and it definitely is a touchy subject for most youths. Um, because during this time, as I've experienced myself and with my friends and just seeing others around me that are this, are similar age, youth and adolescents tend to be very self-conscious about their bodies, um, especially during the time of which they're going through a lot of different changes, not only with puberty, um, but also emotionally. Uh, during this time, it's a, it's a time to where where children are trying to find themselves and be comfortable with themselves. So definitely weight, talking about weight and talking about talking to your children about their weight gain um, is, is a very difficult conversation because people my age um, and adolescents, also a little bit younger, are very, very sensitive to this information. And as was stated in the article before, media... Um, and in social and society uh, in general, has a habit of stigmatizing people who are overweight. Um, for example, in the news recently, there was a big uproar over the uh, CEO, I think, of Abercrombie and Fitch for his statement that his clothes are only for um, "quote unquote" cool uh, kids who are not overweight, and that's why he keeps his sizes of his uh, clothing store. Um, particularly small, paraphrasing a little bit, but things like that are in the news now, and so the topic of weight um, and the stigma that goes along with being overweight uh, makes it very difficult to discuss um, among families without having a heated discussion or without hurt feelings, but unfortunately it is something that does need to be addressed um, in the home for health reasons and not only um reasons such as wanting to look good, um, emotional reasons like that. So how do you prevent and treat overweight children? What you want to do is you want to reach and maintain an appropriate body weight that is important. Um, That's the most important step. Um, That's why the recommendations that focus on small but permanent changes in eating may work better than a series of short-term changes that can't be sustained. Um, Just to 
to kind of give a little background for those who aren't very familiar with how obesity is caused in children, um, it's it's pretty much common sense. Usually overeating, uh, a sedentary lifestyle, the kinds of food that you're eating, um, a lot of times people are unaware that certain snack foods that are very common or juice or things like that, things perceived as being healthy are packed with sugars and fats that are hidden um, for those who are not necessarily that acquainted with picking out um, these hidden fats and, and, and sugars and things like that. So seemingly healthy juice box is actually a very high in sugar treat for a child when perhaps a parent is thinking that it's healthy. So these are the main causes of uh, overweight children um, and obesity in children. Um, another cause that I came across in my research um, was advertising the way that food is advertised to children as being healthy, um, also the way that food is advertised to parents as being healthy when, again, they're not necessarily healthy. For example, a McDonald's advertising to children, um, the children's meal that you get at McDonald's and the apples and things like that and McDonald's advertising salads. But when you take a closer look at the caloric value of these items, they're not necessarily much healthier than a Big Mac at the end of the day. So things like that definitely cause obesity in children. And like I said, one of the big, big factors is the inactive lifestyle um, that's one of the main contributors to obesity, in addition with eating poor, poorly nutrition um, foods. Uh, and that's another thing that is trying to be focused on, again, with Michelle Obama and her Let's Move campaign. So let's continue on to things that you can do to help your children um, to prevent your children being overweight or being obese. You want it to try to reduce the caloric intake, um, and that's the easiest to change. Uh, highly restricted diets that forbid favorite foods are likely to fail. So you don't want to cut out everything unhealthy that your child likes, but what you want to do is you want to start taking things out slowly, um, phasing out these junk foods. For example, let's say that you have McDonald's at least, three times a week, you want to maybe skip one of those meals and replace that with a home-cooked meal um, with a lot of vegetables and things like that. You don't want to do any crash course diets. These are likely to be very frustrating to enforce on your child. Um, it will make it difficult for your child and for you. Um, so gradual change is the best. Um, reducing the caloric intake in maybe ways that are not as obvious instead of cutting out food in general, the replacement technique is very helpful, and this is instead of cutting out a brownie for dessert, you provide a healthy alternative, maybe like a fruit salad with whipped cream or something like that. That's one of the more um, productive ways of reducing caloric intake um, gradually. Becoming more active is also widely recommended. Increased physical activity is common in all studies of successful weight reduction this podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma 
at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Create an environment that fosters physical activity. And it doesn't have to be very strenuous physical activity. If you have pets, maybe uh, encourage your child to go for a walk with the dog. Encourage your child to play outside with friends, to go outside um, to the playground, um, to swing, just to be active, to ride their bikes. Things like that um, are very, very motivating for the child, and it doesn't feel like work to the child, especially when it's playing. Excuse me. Uh, Parents' involvement in modifying overweight children's behavior is also important. Parents who model healthy eating and physical activity can positively influence their child's health. So this is not only a process for the child who's overweight, but also for the family, because the family as a whole has to demonstrate these productive behaviors and these good behaviors in order to encourage the child to... Um, also participate in these behaviors, but also to not feel stigmatized, to not feel that they are being excluded, um, that they are being singled out, that they're the only ones that have to do this because they have a weight issue. You don't want to do that because the child is going to feel more self-conscious about their weight. What you want to do is you want to encourage the entire family, parents, children, parents, things like that to make it more of a group activity instead of singling, singling out one child that happens to have the, um, the weight issue. And this is just encourage the, the child to feel loved and accepted, but also to participate in a family goal, which is very beneficial not only to the child's health, to the family's health, but also to the family's relationship as well. In treating most overweight children, the main emphasis should be to prevent weight gain above what's appropriate for expected increases in height. Uh, This is called prevention of increased weight gain velocity. For many children, this may limited or no weight gain while they grow taller. Uh, Recommendations for maintaining weight should include regular physical activity, as I said before, and careful careful attention to the diet uh, to avoid many calories. Factors predicting success are including parents in the dietary treatment program, strong excuse me, strong social support of dietary intervention from others involving involved in preparing food and regular physical activity. Um, just to talk a little bit about what it was saying in diminishing the weight gain for getting for children that are growing taller and making sure that you're at your regulated um, your recommended BMI. Um, this can be a little bit difficult. The way they measure obesity is um, through a BMI, and it's basically your weight for your height, and you have to be in an expected range. Um, 18 to 20 is healthy. Anything above 20 to 25 is uh, overweight. Over 25 is obese, um, and less than 18 is underweight. But the issue with this is that the system of which they account for your body mass index, which is a BMI, is not necessarily perfect. Uh, And a lot of the times it's not the best uh, way of measuring if your child or if you or your child or if anyone's obese because it doesn't take into account um, things like bone mass, muscle mass. Um, So, for example, I've had friends that are very physically fit, uh, very muscular, and they're over their BMI. And so their list is overweight, but they're just very 
very heavy because muscle is is more dense and heavier than fat. So you want to kind of use the BMI as a guideline, but don't take it necessarily to heart. But I think, in all honesty, it's very easy to tell whether or not you or your child um, or someone else is overweight. And not only is it easy to tell if you're overweight, but it's also very obvious when a child is obese. Because obesity is not just having a little bit of pudge. Obesity is being very, very, very heavily overweight, having a an excess amount of fat. Um, and that's why obesity versus being overweight, um, sometimes is ne- the distinction needs to be made because obesity is a greater health risk. It's um, like for the things that we listed before, uh, it's very dangerous for the development of chronic diseases, heart diseases, diabetes. Um, being overweight is a different issue. Being obese is a huge issue. So I just wanted to make that distinction. Um, you're not obese if you have a little bit of pudge. Being obese is being greatly, greatly overweight um, for your height. Uh, a little bit more um, on how to limit your child's weight gain or to take action to allow your child to be at a healthier weight um, as they grow older. We're going to talk, this was taken from um, the American Heart Association website, and I sent out also in an email a little booklet on on their suggestions for how to maintain a healthy weight for your children. Parents' perceptions and roles. Parents are an important role model for their children. If parents are unhealthy, then children are likely to be unhealthy too. Parents may not recognize when the children have a weight problem. Uh, these are two bullets under the um, idea of parents' perception and roles. Parents are role models, as we said before, um, whose health attitudes and behaviors play a critical, critical role in the development of their children. Parents can help overweight children manage their weight. However, uh, they aren't always aware when their children are at risk. In recent studies, parents have shown a high tendency to misperceive their child's weight and fail to identify them as overweight. This has been especially likely if parents themselves are overweight. If a parent does not recognize their child is obese or overweight, they are less likely to support them in achieving a healthy weight. Some parents of overweight children worry about labeling them or hurting their self-esteem. Nevertheless, parents play a critical role in lifestyle habits of their children, both through the habits they model and through the support and awareness they offer. So this is what we were talking about a little bit um, with the difficulty with determining overweight versus obese. Um, I think nowadays with the stigma around being overweight, um, we've grown to be more acceptant of um, people who are overweight. And this is not at all a bad thing, but I think it makes it difficult for people to establish when um, you're overweight, but you're overweight in an unhealthy way. Um, So that's why I suggested using the BMI as a as a guideline because it does help you to determine whether or not you're overweight and you know if you're not extremely muscular or you don't have very dense bone mass, um, you, you'll be relatively close to being, to being told the truth by your BMI about how overweight you are. Um, so that's another thing um, in addition with the emphasis on the parents' roles. 
Also, also um, another big factor in helping children to reduce their weight and to um, stay healthy is sleep. Children need at least nine hours of sleep per night. Sleep also plays an important role in the body's ability to grow, repair, and stay well. Research, recent research points to a connection between poor sleep habits and health problems, including obesity. Despite recommendations that children and teens get at least nine hours of sleep every night, only 31% of high school students get eight or more hours of sleep on an average school night. And uh, I definitely know this to be very true. I think my average of sleep during high school is probably about five or six hours, so I definitely was not able to get those nine hours of sleep. Although more research is needed to determine the exact connection between sleep and obesity, adequate sleep is beneficial to the overall mental health and physical health. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, another big factor that I think a lot of people um, aren't necessarily aware of because it's kind of an outside source is the situation in schools. Over the recent decades, the school environment has changed drastically. A generation ago, schools fostered physical activity, but today many have been forced to de-emphasize it due to balance shrinking budgets and focused on uh, standardized testing. Physical activity in schools. A recent report revealed that physical education time has declined across many school districts since 2002. In some areas, school-based physical activity programs have been completely eliminated. Only 3.8% of elementary schools, 7.9% of middle schools, and 2.1% of high schools provide daily physical education, or its equivalent for the entire year. 22% of schools do not require students to take any physical education at all. Physical education is an integral part of developing, whole, developing the whole child in social settings and learning environment. Um, I've seen this definitely with my high school that over even over the four years that I've been there, that physical education was definitely decreasing in how much emphasis they put on it and the importance of it um, and shifting towards more academic um, and supporting more academic ventures, I, I suppose is the best way to put it. And uh, knowing I went to a health high school, like a med medical-oriented high school, and so I felt it very ironic that they were taking they were putting less emphasis on the physical education um, of the students there, especially when, as we see definitely from these articles and things that I've learned um, in my classes in anatomy physiology and nutrition um, and things like that when studying diseases and health, that being physically active prevents so, so many um, issues that are found today uh, in, as, in uh in the population, such as heart disease, um, type 2 diabetes, all, most of the preventable diseases um, that have to do with either your heart, your lungs, um, your muscle, or your bone um, can be either prevented or diminished by exercise. So I think that um, it's definitely something very unfortunate that it's being taken kind of out of the picture nowadays in school due to the budget cuts and uh, the emphasis on academics. Um, but that's one of the contributing factors as to why physical, um, why students, uh, why, sorry, why children are having difficulties being physically active. Because when you think about it, children who go to public school or charter school or public school, 
are in school most likely for about six to seven hours a day, and that's a big chunk of your day um, to be sitting down and not being active. So it's definitely a major issue, um, one that you could probably tell I'm upset about in my school. Uh, but additionally, let's talk a little bit more while we have some time about nutrition in schools because this also plays a very big role um, in child health. Schools offer a wide variety of meal and snack food options, but not really always healthy ones. In the 2007 study, 61% of competitive foods, foods that are sold outside of the school meals program, um, including in vending machines, a la carte items, school store and canteen items, excuse me, offered in high schools were fried and high in fat. These calorie-dense, nutrition-poor foods accounted for 83% of all the food sold Schools can be a part of the solution. A comprehensive nutrition education has proven to be effective in combating obesity, especially among low-income students. Additionally, improving nutrition standards of food sold in schools can have a positive impact on students' diets. <clears throat> um, so yeah, and this is another thing that I've experienced, and I'm sure that many parents who have sent their students, um, their children to public school or charter school or any school that's um, not home school have experienced that the the lunches are not necessarily very nutritious um, and the options provided are often junk food. Um, I know that most of the time my main lineup for a school lunch is fried chicken, um, french fries, and then cookies and chips and donuts and things like that are available. And the only vegetables that are available are <laughs> very grotesque looking and soggy and so it's not very very appetizing um to buy those and so that's another huge issue um there's some more information i have here on early childhood programs um but we probably are going to have to pick that up for our next radio show um but just in summary it's a difficult conversation to have with your children but it's a worthwhile one to have, especially if you feel like the health of your child is at risk. Obesity is a huge problem, um, not only in the United States, but worldwide, um, and childhood obesity is growing by the day. And so it's very important to establish healthy um, habits in your children to participate in physical activities with them and to provide an encouraging um, environment for your child to be healthy and to feel loved at the same time while trying to attain their their fitness goals. Uh, our next week's show will be continuation, uh, just a little bit left that I have of this, and also on childhood mental health and ways of dealing with um, mostly adolescents, but emotional growth in adolescents um, and how to tell when there is a mental, not necessarily disorder, but an issue um, such as depression and things like that. We're going to talk a little bit about teenage depression depression and issues and suicide um, and how to prevent that next week. So thank you again for uh, listening, and uh, we hope to see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.